0: You're listening to Drawn to a Deeper Story. I'm Kath Brew from DrawnToastory.com. I'm an artist who illustrates and educates about marginalised experiences for positive change with a particular interest in identity, belonging and expat life. This podcast is about the lives that challenge us and the difficult conversations around them. It's a place to listen openly to absorb people's truths and to learn how to show up differently, how to show up differently for the benefit of everyone. And that's you included, whoever you are as a listener. Now, you've all probably seen on social media and emails where people are stating what their pronouns are, whether that's she slash her slash hers or he slash him or they slash them or he slash they, like whatever... That mixture of pronouns is, we're all used to seeing that now. And it's not actually that long ago that a colleague and friend put me in touch with someone who had a work inquiry for me. And on our first call on Zoom, I saw that it said her name was Nicole Demos, she slash her slash hers slash disabled. Now, I'd never seen anyone use anything else other than their gender in their pronouns and I wanted to explore that more it really got me thinking about what identity means and how we engage with our own identity and I never thought about identity in that way and yes we all have identities and they can all differ depending on our context and when we feel drawn to use them and when we don't feel drawn to use them maybe they're there all the time but using this kind of way in terms of saying disabled as part of a pronoun was new to me so I asked Nicole to come on the podcast. And let me introduce you to her. She is a proud, disabled third culture kid, herself with over 25 years of experience in the US and overseas. She holds an MA in education from the University of Connecticut, a M ed in international counseling, and is currently enrolled in a pilot social, emotional, behavioral well-being certificate also from Lehigh University. Now, I think I'm saying that correctly. Yes, you are. <laughs> good, good, good. For the past 10 years, Nicole has been a learning support teacher for students in grades 6 to 12 at the International School of Helsinki. Advocacy, inclusion and social emotional well-being are core beliefs that Nicole values and implements daily. She's also a board member of Senior Europe, which is the Special Education and Inclusion Association member. And she seeks to spread awareness regarding inclusion for all in education. And when she's not doing all of that, spending time with her loved ones and her toy poodle, Sisu, singing, reading, traveling and cooking are her hobbies and what she gets up to. So welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much,
1: Kath, for having me. I look forward to this conversation so very, very much.
0: Yeah, thank you. Me too. It's it's a pleasure to have you on. And I'm I'm very pleased that we met each other and it got a whole lot of thoughts triggering in my mind and I thought it would be a really interesting conversation to have. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little more about why you identify as disabled?
1: Well, because that's me. That's who I am. I've always been disabled. It's part of my identity. But my journey to that point was a very long, complicated Winding process. And so, as all of this, who are we? Where are we? What are we doing? came to the forefront. I decided that, you know, why not step Mm. forward and positively identify myself as being disabled and that there's no shame behind it? Absolutely. Threw the word out there and thought, well, it's not a dirty word. A lot of people have maybe thought that or don't want to address it or don't want to mention it, but I figure, well, This is me, so why not?
0: Mm. So what does living with a disability mean to you?
1: I guess in a very interesting way, I've never really known life without it. Something has always been a struggle or a challenge. I suppose when I was younger, I didn't really think of myself as being different from my classmates or my friends, but there was always something holding me back and that something was not being able to join in physically in activities or special events. But I always tried. Mm. because I was always raised to think, well, you know, go for it. Where Mm -hmm. your support network will stop you from hurting yourself, will be there when you fail. So I didn't really think about it in that sense. Mm -hmm. It was almost as if I felt like I had been picked to be disabled, so yeah, there it is, you know. No worry.
0: How do you think it makes it different for someone like you who identifies with being disabled from, like you say, that you've never not known it compared to someone who then has to learn to manage it because of an accident or medical condition or anything like that how do you think that's different for you
1: I mean it's different in the sense because you Mm. know it's something sudden it's something that's beyond your control something's happened that's led to you not having an ability to do something that you maybe took for granted prior to that Mm. but I think in any way it's a mindset hurdle yeah you know no matter how you look at it that's where it's similar Mm. you have to at some stage find the strength to say this is what I have whether it was now before or possibly in the future. So what do I need to be still myself? And what can I share with others so that maybe they can learn from my experience? So by being myself, I think, you know, what do I need to be able to function, Mm. you know, on a daily basis? Yeah.
0: And do you think that that's got better over the years? Because we know very much that the shortcomings of society and access to buildings and things how things have changed over the years, particularly in terms of physical disability. My grandfather had MS and had struggled walking and in that day it really was difficult in terms of his life being out and about and people's attitudes. How do you think that the external context and environment in which you live has had an impact on how you have coped or not coped?
1: Well I'd be naive to say that it's been roses and everybody's looked at My being disabled in a positive way, and that's wrong because it hasn't been. And that will only change if people become educated and aware of how to treat people regardless Mm -hmm. of how they identify. You know, I think a lot of misconceptions with being physically disabled is that oh well there's a ramp so you can make it, or there's a door mm. you know and you can push the button mm. well there's limits to that just because there's a physical ramp doesn't mean that a person in a manual wheelchair can access it more readily than someone in an electric wheelchair. And if weather conditions are poor, how if it snowed, then that doesn't necessarily mean that the ramp has been cleaned so that you can access it or the door doesn't open the right way. So I think the best way to combat that is to have someone who's physically able to, you know, sit in a wheelchair and see how challenging it is to go up a ramp or open a door when you can't use your hands or your arms, or you need someone to help you do it. So I think, of course, it varies where you are. Some countries and cities are more aware of what needs to happen, but possibly in other cultures and other places that doesn't even exist. You know, I've been fortunate to very carefully, maybe in some way subconsciously look at where I want to be in various stages of my life to sort of ensure that, well, maybe I can get through it, but at the same time that can get through it, but then you find out that you can't it gets really tiresome and really, I don't want to say deprecating. That's not the word, but it,
0: it's, it takes a toll.
1: Yeah. It takes a, it takes a toll. And at one point you're like, Oh God, why, mm. you know, why do I always have to say, well, can I use the bathroom or can I get into the building or can I join you, you know, at the pub mm. when I can't even see over the bar because yeah. it's too high or I can't get there because there's 20 people in front of me and they, me to move.
0: Yeah. So actually, although there's a physical disability, there's so much more that comes with that in that your autonomy gets taken away. The loss of freedom and independence, things that other people might just take for granted. It's so much more than, yes, I'm in a wheelchair or yes, I'm deaf or yes, I'm blind or like, whatever the, the disability is. I'm not sure people see all the complications that come with that.
1: And to be fair, I don't think I saw those complications as a child because I mm-hmm. always thought, well, I can get through it. You no, know, I'm going to get Get to it and it was only honestly just recently where i really faced a lot of challenges physically and emotionally that mm. i had to take a step back and i had to really say but i'm not like everyone else i can't put myself in that category anymore i need to stop trying to be like everyone else and I need to find the strength to figure out why it's taken me so long to say, you know what, it's 2022, I'm proud of myself. Fight the fact that I had to fight, and I still have that fight in me. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't be talking to you or I wouldn't be you know, teaching still, you know, mm. but it's been a struggle and, I, and I'm grateful that I've had supportive people in my life. You know, I'm very lucky to live in Finland, so there's situations and resources that are available But if you don't know they exist, can't allow yourself to feel that you have autonomy over your own identity. Does that?
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense entirely. And as you were talking, what came to my mind was people see physical disability or or you ask them about it. I think an image that would come to mind most often is someone in a wheelchair. It's the international symbol for disability right. is is that person in yeah. a wheelchair. I was at a conference a number of years ago and there was a guy who wasn't in a wheelchair but he had sticks and he had trouble walking but he was able to walk and he was frustrated he was talking to us because he'd asked for the disabled room and the assumption in that hotel was that therefore i think that someone was in a wheelchair because he was on the ground level but his room was at the very very far end of the corridor and he said how ludicrous that was that for him with his abilities, it would have been easier to go up a flight of stairs and have a room right there than have flat and go right to the end of the corridor. So there's this homogenization. It's society saying we see, we, we think we see you, but actually you don't. we don't have a bloody clue. Right.
1: Well, and I, I can fully, fully appreciate what that man was feeling. Cause it's happened to me. Before mm. being permanently in a wheelchair, I used to use those same crutches. You know, my backpack used to be full. Mm. I would go into a hotel and I'd ask for a disabled room and I'd be on the fifth floor, right by the mm. elevator. And I'm thinking, well, if there's an emergency, how are you expecting me to climb down five flights of stairs when elevator's not working? You know, are you gonna come and take me by the hand? <laughs> or am I supposed to, you know... I, I should laugh, no, but I'm just laughing at the ludicrousness it would, of it. Like, that's what it is. And it's so, just so not thought it's out. It's an assumption, well, we have a ramp or we have an automatic door or, you know, we have Braille on the elevator buttons. Well, yeah, what difference does it make <laughs> if the person who actually needs to use them and should use them can't mm-hmm. get to them? And then yeah, you have exactly. to go through that process of, oh, I have to ask someone else for help. I think that was my biggest hesitation when, when I had to make the choice whether or not I would still be able to physically walk in whatever Mm. capacity I had left or get into the wheelchair. Oh, I have to renew my way of thinking and ask for help again. Mm. It's still not going to be the right fit for me.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really important for people who aren't disabled to actually reflect on, because I know that, like all of us, we have days where we're feeling great and we're on top of things and we're loving life. And then there's other days where we're okay, but we're a bit down and we just want to hide away or we want to just go and sit in a coffee shop or whatever. Uh And I can do that without having to interact with anybody. But someone like you, there's that level of having to put on that face and interact and ask for help and be, and that, just asking for help must be incredibly tiring all the time. It's hard. Mm.
1: I suppose I can say I used to joke about it previously when I'd say, "Well, you'd know when I need help because I get a certain look on my face," and apparently <laughs> mm. I do. Forget the fact that I'm of Mediterranean, you know, descent, and we we we, <laughs> we act on our emotions right away, yeah. no matter what. I mean, that's that's a given. But even having to put on that look, or even getting to the point of complete total exhaustion before you get to that look. Asking for help, getting the help, but then feeling so drained after that, mm. because, okay, it might be great for, you know, half an hour or an hour, but then that little tiny, little like nudge in your in your body goes, oh, I'm gonna have to ask for help again. Well, yeah. do I ask the same person? Do I ask somebody else? Do mm. I suck it up and try to deal with it and then get frustrated?
0: Mm. Or feel like you might be being a bother, even though they wouldn't hesitate. Right.
1: It's it's, it's that whole thing. And, and these are even with, you know, friends and family. You know, I don't, I don't want to mm. bother anybody. But now I have to. Yeah. So even though it still might hurt me, even though I might have those fleeting thoughts of, oh, I'm a bother. Mm. I'm just going to do it now. My survival depends on it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And so... I don't know, I think hopefully, you know, in the future, it will be easier for others to just find the courage to just identify. So maybe some of those, you know, we've come a long way with disability awareness. Uh, You know, case in point, just recently, Best Oscar went to the movie Coda Mm -hmm. with, um, you know, deaf um, actors, which I think is wonderful. Yeah. It's about time, you know. Absolutely. The world is changing. So now, let's all find the courage to strike when it's hot, when the iron's hot and then surround ourselves with people that genuinely care about us but care about everyone else in that process of finding who they are and what it means. Mm.
0: And and what people need without people having to ask for it. Like I think it's also everyone else's responsibility to see people and to to step in so that for once you don't have to ask that someone might say, can I help? Can I help you? Are you okay? Would you like some help? Or that kind of just knowing that it's a safe space for someone to ask for help. Yeah.
1: And I understand that it's, it's, there's a hesitation that comes with asking for that help. Mm. And a lot has to be with, you know, the tone of voice when they use, when they say, can I help you? Mm. Cause sometimes it can be bothersome as well.
0: Yeah. Tell me more about that.
1: Well, well, can I help you? Can I help you? Well, no, let me try it first myself, mm. I guess, is that stubbornness. <laughs> but it has to, it's almost like, don't ask, just do it. Mm. I guess for me, would be my thing. Open the door for me. Or because I'm going to be grateful, even if I don't say it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I guess it's finding the balance. I mean, I suppose, I don't know. It's it's hard, but mm. but just, just see me, mm. see me as, but also see me as an individual Outside of the wheelchair.
0: Yeah.
1: And although I d- identify as disabled, there's a lot more aspects of me I'd like you to get to know mm. as a person. Yeah. I think that's also the opposite that happens. You know, we get so fixed on, oh, what do you look like to the rest of the world? We see you, but then we don't bother trying to get to know you because we may have a misconception that maybe you can't speak. Yeah. Or maybe you can't think the way I think. Or yeah. maybe. You're limited in
0: some other way. Yeah. Or even just really simply, someone might be saying, I've never spoken to someone in a wheelchair and all these ideas of stuff comes up in their heads that then makes them feel awkward, that then actually stops them from doing anything or makes a really awkward exactly. conversation. And actually you end up being the one that suffers rather than them. Right.
1: right. And I, yeah. But I think, you know, kids are, are so resilient nowadays that I love it when children ask me questions. Yeah. Or they'll yeah. come up to me and say, well, why are you in the wheelchair? Mm. And I'll say, well, you know, my legs are not as strong as yours. And that simple explanation yeah. is enough because yeah. you're like, oh, okay, have a yeah. good day. See you later. <laughs> you know, yeah. no big deal. Yeah. But it's funny how it's the adults that are like, oh, don't, don't ask that question, mm. you know, mm. look away or so I think that, you know, if you, if you have those conversations, because they are going to be difficult. Mm. And I'm trying to understand that it is going to be my reaction to something will be varied and taken differently by certain people around me. Yeah. I have to be open to that too, just Mm. as they should try to, you know, ask me questions. I'd rather you ask questions than just assume something that's completely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think from the stuff I've heard and, and what I've observed as well, is that people they see the difference they don't see the similarity so they get fixated on the difference and then they don't realize it. they actually ignore the person like you like you're saying I mean people who who just I mean I've seen I mean you I don't need to tell you you know I've seen some awful behaviors over the years where it's all about the disability and they're so awkward it's like don't mention the wall but they can't get their heads out of talking about that one thing and actually it just objectifies someone hugely yeah and you don't it's, see more they don't see more
1: no it's funny because i i i, am, I have uh, a personal assistant mm-hmm. that comes with me on you know my outings or when i go to work to sort of be my support person mm. on an immediate level mm. and for me at the beginning that was really really hard because that was a person that i had to trust mm. you know 110 percent. but it's funny how many times we'll go somewhere and someone will speak to her. Yeah. Instead of addressing me. Yeah. And I'm like, Hello. I'm I'm right here. <laughs> like
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all part of the journey. Yeah. And I think that, that one of the biggest gifts that I think I've given myself is to be able to say that word out loud. You know, mm. I'm disabled. Mm. This is what this means for me. Yeah. It might be different for you, but how am I gonna now? share my journey that's taken me 50 some odd years to to just say it proudly yeah. and loudly yeah. without the fear of, oh, you know, is someone going to judge or is someone going to say mm. something that I'm not going to agree with?
0: Yeah, exactly. And also, why should you be the one that's permanently having to justify your existence or, I don't know, there's just something that, I mean, you you and I both follow Nina Tame on Instagram. And yes. for listeners who don't know her, she's a disabled person who does an awful lot of work in fighting ableism. And she's wonderful. And she's she's quite in your face, which I like. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so that was something I want to ask you with with knowing her approach and how she looks at things. How much do you feel that you have to tolerate ableist views or do you educate or do you
1: well i try to educate but i wish i had known about nina sooner Mm. because when i was growing up i didn't have those positive women men role models that took disability at its core and just were like this is us you know, listen. And I think that that's so empowering. Mm. And, you know, I'm a special needs teacher. So my role is to advocate for my students, no matter what. But yet at the same time, what a contradiction. I wasn't even advocating for myself. Wow. And I didn't do that. And I look back on it now and I'm like, what was I even thinking? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I'm so grateful to still have that chance now and to be working on certain projects so that I can be mm. much more of a positive role model for someone in my school, in my community, online with my posts or whatever I do, because you never know what one word or one gesture or one conversation will mm. have on someone else.
0: Yeah. Just being visible. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I, I, you know, I fight ableism every day. Yeah. Yeah. So don't <laughs> get me wrong.
0: Yeah, you, you know, yeah, you just get on with it because it's your reality every day. The
1: taxi has to take me to school in the morning now because here in Finland it's still snowing and mm. it's been crazy. But you know, we have to get on the sidewalk so that I'm closer to the entrance of my school. Mm. But yet, able-bodied people are talking and they're not yeah. moving out of the way, and it's like, will you see that there's a van yeah. backing up? I mean, yeah. what do I need to add bells and whistles and yeah, yeah, you
0: know that kind of thing but I think that's what I mean about um it's our all of our responsibilities to see people whatever their stuff is like whoever they are because I think whether someone's disabled or not disabled it's common decency to to me uh, personally anyway that's how I view it is just to be aware of other people around you and Engage and try and help them. But also maybe, I don't know, maybe if you don't know, then it's about asking and saying, Can I do something to help? Rather than like there's those awful stories of hearing people who've just wheelchair gets kind of moved and they're it's terrifying because they're suddenly taken across the road and they haven't even been asked permission and they're not wanting to go that way. And someone just takes, I mean, that to me that's a horrendous abuse of someone taking control of a wheelchair that's your means of transport. I mean, that's scary. Yeah. But
1: also, I mean, you know, realistically it's okay to not, not want to deal with it too, as the bystander, Mm. you know, that's okay too, Mm. but just treat me the way you would want to be treated. I mean, that's the old adage, Mm. right? Like if you want respect, then give respect back. I would prefer genuine empathy over oh hi how are you I feel so bad for you actually do you have you actually mm. sat in this when mm. you can't get through a door or you can't put your socks and shoes on in the morning or you need help accessing the bathroom or your tray in the cafeteria yeah you know
0: every single thing every in your day. every single
1: thing like you said if you could if I could hide under the covers every day and say okay today I'm not going to get frustrated today I'm not going to um, bring myself down today I'm going to have a genuine smile on my face and be, unfortunately it doesn't happen, but it's getting better. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. choosing to believe that with everything that's happening in the world and us being more aware and having access to things like social media and books and conferences and role models,
0: it's changing. That's where my hope is that it comes in that other people are starting to learn. And it's part of the reason I do this podcast is to to have these conversations about things that people might not like to hear. But what you've just said is perfectly understandable because if you think that you've spent your whole life having to explain, having to ask, it puts you on a back foot. Like I imagine the the how it impacts self-esteem and confidence and, and that transition to actually, no, I'm not going to do this anymore and I'm not going to feel sorry for it or apologise for it or whatever. That, that's a massive transition to, it is. It's huge. to embody.
1: It's scary at the same time that it's so empowering. I'm not going to pretend anymore. Yeah. If I'm going to feel awful, I'm going to feel awful. If I'm going to, you know, be adventurous, then I'll go be adventurous. Why not? Yeah, you know, absolutely. If I'm going to create something to make somebody else more aware, you know, more power to me, then I'll reach out to those people that think like me and want to be part of this whole movement. And that's why I was so pleased that we connected because I thought, well, here's a person who works to promote what, you know, marginalized people feel. And that's me. And that's so, I don't know if you remember my telling you this when we first chatted, like that was just such an eye opener to me because it was like, it's okay. It's really genuinely okay to admit that, all right this is me. So
0: how am I going to move forward? That's scary because it also means that you're fully visible. There's no hiding. There's no, it's like, this is me. And then you then obviously have to wait and see what comes off that. And that can be scary because if you have to do things, there's a sense of you're able to control what and protect yourself. But if you're out there and like, this is me, it's like, oh, What's that? What's going to happen? What's And that, that can be scary because it, it's important. It is. So yeah, it, it's important because, you know, will I will I lose friends over this?
1: I hope not. Yeah. You know, will I offend family members? Well, hopefully not. You know, will this put any future career aspirations on the back burner? Well, I hope
0: in a positive way, yeah. you know. That was going to be my next question. Surely all of this is your superpower. How does it, being disabled, I mean, it must make you a better learning support teacher because you're actually there's a whole other conversation and level of experience going on, and how you encourage kids to keep going to to find that resilience, but but also to just have a crappy day if they are. There's an authenticity to that, you know.
1: My most ultimate goal when I walk into any learning environment that I have, or or if it's someone else's room, I want to create that safe space. Yeah, I want you know, Cath, sorry, who's got dyslexia. I know you don't, but who's got dyslexia and has had a crap day in math and science and English to be able to come in, even if it's for five minutes, sit down and be like, I need to chill yeah, or I can't do this or I don't get it. Or, you know, Miss Brown doesn't like me because I didn't turn in my homework again, you know, just to have that conversation because I'm coming at it Maybe I'm not dyslexic, but I know what it feels like to not be seen in that classroom. Yeah, that teacher cannot look at you and go, "Okay, what am I going to change in my teaching strategy with this child? How am I going to get Kath to feel like she can be successful where she's at at that moment? Yeah, whatever that moment is.
0: Yeah, it's the it's the impact, not so much the issue itself. That it's is where your power is. One yeah. of the
1: struggles is, you know, teachers are so focused on the end result. You know, we have mm. to get there. We have to cover the material, which I certainly like appreciate and understand. But maybe the way you've done it for five, 10 years doesn't work mm. for this particular student because they're coming in with issues and baggage that we're not even aware of. And maybe they're not even aware of. Yeah. You no, know? and, and we're living in a world now where there's so many outside factors that have taken control over how we feel and how we react. There's a lot. To be said and how you create that safe space. Yeah, and so that's where that superpower of advocating for them is what I feel I do best. You know,
0: Oh, no, it's good. They're very lucky to have you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, and I'm and I'm very lucky to have them. It's a mutual, respectful relationship because I learn from them, and then I realize in my way of doing things that maybe I can rethink a strategy or a technique. Or just to give them space.
0: Yeah. Just that's validate how they're feeling validate. on that day. Yeah, you no, know, I think yeah. that's
1: the most important. And then I can take on the battle with the teacher or the battle yeah. with the administrator or the battle with the parent. You know, once I have gained that respect from that student and I work with middle and high school and, you know, that's a, a very challenging age because... Yeah. You know, your your body's growing your mind is growing you don't know where you stand and now we bring you you know how do i identify and i don't even know yeah. and you know my mom wants me to focus on school my dad wants me to focus on this and i can't talk about this and i can't talk about that so you know no wonder we as teachers are feeling like oh where do we what do we do
0: yeah we yeah absolutely to. yeah we have to i think amongst all of that is the external like you say with the parents what they might want and then the, everything the external pressures of society there's so much of toxic positivity I mean I've heard people talk about about autism or other neurodivergent things where people will say oh yes but there's all these positives and and there are but also it depends on who you are your circumstance and I know people who say that's actually really hurtful and offensive because their family member their child has got severe autism and actually the kind of positive thing isn't quite the same for them as other people and you end up with this almost gaslighting virtue yeah. signaling toxic positivity what do you want to share some views on that it's so
1: it's it's painful it's painful so how do we how do we stop the gaslighting and i think i think the way we do that is we we acknowledge where people are at and what a good day means or what success means or what gains mean you know, what's the ultimate goal for this family or for this person to experience? Mm -hmm. How do we get them there? And how do we provide them with the resources and the services that they need to get there? And how do we educate their family members or their friends around them to just acknowledge that everyone is different, everyone has the same value and what I may be consider important might not be the same as everybody else, but everyone should have equal opportunities to get there. Yeah, there's no excuse for it now. Uh, absolutely. If we say that we're an inclusive school, then let's be an inclusive school for all with all. Yeah. What, and if yeah. we don't have those people or systems in place or mindset in place, let's fix it. Yeah, or let's not say it.
0: So what would you say to I mean, this is kind of you as a person, but also as a professional in your role, what would you say to a parent who might be struggling with their child who has a disability or they have higher expectations than the child is going to be able to deliver.
1: First, I would acknowledge the fact that I'm listening to their feelings, whatever those feelings are. Yeah. Whether it's denial or whether it's some other expectation. Because I think that's really important because regardless of what they're saying, they have to feel the feels that they're feeling. Yeah. And then from that point, okay, now let's see. Let me show you the proof or the evidence that your son or your daughter is here. And this is what we can do as a school to maybe meet some other expectations that maybe you haven't even thought of. Mm. And well, and some of the times the argument is, well, you know, we've waited for so long and our kid's now 16 and now we're being told that they have X, Y, Z. Well, okay, so now they're being told they have X, Y, Z. How can we make the rest of their school life with us the most successful, the most meaningful, and how can mm. we help you understand what that disability is and what it means for them, yeah. for the, your son or daughter, but also for you? How do you deal with it as a family? How do you explain it? How do you still have expectations? Because you still should hold them accountable for stuff. But yeah. You need to rethink, you know, what's your child's passion? You know, what are they passionate about? Case in point, I have a wonderful student. She's set to graduate in the next couple months. I've been working with her since she was in middle school, and her parents had expectations of her, and rightfully so. And just recently, this young lady has emerged. She's just blossomed and has become more confident. And she realized that she's quite artistic and really focused on environmental design and environmental issues. And now she's staying in Finland and she's going off to university. Yeah,
0: fantastic. And her
1: parents are saying, thank you. And I was like, well, no, thank you for the faith that you had in your child to come this far and the faith that you had in us
0: to support her and support you because she's found her passion. And she's smiling. It's not about fixing or curing. It's it's about, which can't happen anyway, but that kind of language is not helpful. It is like about helping them find a path yeah. To their strengths and through to to help them flourish
1: and even you know finding that path you know it's just sticking to your sticking to your mindset as that educator yeah you know and every time they come with oh but what if and what if I'm hearing you what you're saying is you want you know Joe mm. to become a doctor but maybe he can be a different type of doctor maybe he can you know go yeah. to nursing school or he can still do things that would not necessarily require him to spend the next 10, 15 years at school if he's not able to function in that way. No,
0: it's just not fair to the child, like.
1: No, it's just persisting. And that's really hard, you know, but then also allowing the the student or the child to begin to advocate for themselves to say, look, mom and dad, this is what I need, Mm. you know, and I think once they see progress, once they see that their son or daughter is happier going Mm. to school, then that begins to soften their sort of hard edges.
0: What I'm hearing you saying is that it's about thinking laterally and thinking outside of the box. And, and I mean, I just completely out of a school context, but just thinking about globally mobile families and people who are moving around a lot and the spouse that hasn't got the job that is actually creating their own lives and creating their own business or whatever they're doing and how it's those moments that are, they're like pinch points where you've actually got to look at who you are and what your skills are. And there's no failing or we can't do this, we can't do that. It's like, how do we do what we want to do with the skills that we have? What What's going to make that work the best? So I might be loving everything to do with an outdoor environment in one country that has my knowledge and experience in relation to that, and you go to another country and it's completely different. It's like, okay, well, I love these things. How am I going to then transfer that to a new country? What does that mean? How can I identify right. those things? And I imagine it's the same with special education. It is the same, but also acknowledging
1: that failure
0: does not necessarily mean defeat. Absolutely. Failure is just a
1: chance to try something different. Yeah.
0: I, I hate that word failure. I didn't, that's why I hesitated. I didn't I don't want like to it. use it.
1: <laughs> I don't like it either, but that's what we use. Yeah. You know, we use success and failure, unfortunately. Yeah. So, You know, let's just say, how many attempts is it going to take you to be successful?
0: What do you need? That must be hard, though, within a school system where school, so much of it is about success or failure and just trying to get like it's everything's scored and marked and you've got to get to a certain point and how a kid fits in that. But it's it's also acknowledging that
1: we have to change how we teach and what we teach to suit the students that we have coming in. If we have our high flyers, sure, they can... They can access, we, we follow the international baccalaureate curriculum, mm-hmm. you know, at the upper school level. Yeah. There are kids that just want a high school diploma, which is just as valuable. Yeah. Which will get exactly. them just as far. So let's create those opportunities rather than pigeonholing them, rather than putting them into a class based on their ability. Yeah. Just put them in class and let them, let them flourish. It, it, it is a challenge, but, but I'm hoping that with the emphasis on inclusion the emphasis of teaching to identity and teaching to diversity within your classroom that that's going to change
0: for Mm. the better space for everybody to be Space for
1: everybody you know am i am i seeing every single student every single day to the best of my ability as a professional and if i can't do it do i have other people other resources, other ways in which we can all see each other in the most positive way. Yeah. Because we want them to be able to go out and be whatever they need to be for the world to make it better for those that are coming after them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Whatever their disability is doesn't actually prevent them from being amazing at particular jobs. A neurodivergent person... Who's very focused on on data or a particular skill or something? Absolutely amazing, and I would hate something like that. But I know that I know that's not my skill. It's almost like to me, it's like a magnet where you're 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 mixing and matching. You or you're trying to find those games where you put a shape in a hole. It's just (laughs) like finding the one that matches that child, and then they're away. Like it's just absolutely finding that space. So that's Mm. part of why you know
1: this whole identity thing for me. I'm going to keep on this journey. Mm. You now I want to find where it's going to take me and, and what else I can do to to share, you know, what I've mm. what I've been through without, you know, minimizing it or maximizing it for
0: anyone else. It's visibility, isn't it? It's yeah. it's just there living your life because you never know who who needs to see it and who needs yeah. to hear it. Yeah. What would you say to someone that is newly learning to manage their diagnosis is struggling.
1: My best piece of advice is sit with how you're feeling right now. Mm. Sit with it, digest it, see where it takes you. Don't be, don't be afraid to get angry or to be sad or to want to forget about it. Sit with your feelings, acknowledge them, and then take tiny steps forward
0: Mm.
1: and find those people that you trust and then, move ahead don't shy away from from what it is you're feeling because there's going to be people that are going to get you to where you need to be even if you don't know where that is at at this point don't be afraid to be raw be real cry laugh you know talk to people don't talk to people you know meditate draw whatever tool you need to express yourself if you can't use words until you're ready to say okay, I want to learn what my disability is. I want to learn how I can do my best. Just just be with your feelings. Mm. Don't lose sight of who you are, no matter what gets thrown your way.
0: Yeah. One thing I wanted to pick out of that particularly was also when you're ready. Yeah there's no pressure. It's like, it has to be in, on your own terms, which must be very difficult too. If you're a, of course. a child and if you're being kind of managed by parents, shall we say in a school? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause and find those people that will support you when that pressure gets too much for you to be mm. on top of everything right away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic.
1: Part of what I'm doing as a process of sort of allowing myself to identify as that I'm, I'm, I'm working on a project, which I'm really, really excited about. Mm-hmm. It kind of tells my story as a positive way to bring to light my journey.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's a, you know, it's a work in progress. Mm. Yeah. And I'm very lucky to be working with someone. You are <laughs> able to talk about it if you'd like to. Okay, good. I, I want to talk about it. And I'm, I'm so, I'm so that's what I was trying to get to. So you can, you can ax all that out. I wanted to mention that I'm truly grateful that you're, joining me on this journey of promoting something that that is a catharsis for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Is an opening for yeah, you know, here mm. I am.
0: Yeah.
1: This is me. This was my journey. Mm. Even though it's it's written for, you know, young children. There's, yeah. you know, never lose sight of who you are. Never be afraid to follow your dreams.
0: Yeah.
1: And surround yourself with people who genuinely want the best for you and believe in
0: you in those moments when you don't believe in yourself yeah we all need that josh (laughs) so yeah no it's my pleasure i mean for me it's something it's a it's a meaningful project and it's that ability to illustrate what's in your heart is a huge privilege it's really exciting so i'm looking forward to getting stuck in
1: (laughs) yes me too so lookout world because the new, I don't know, do we call it a, do we call it a bestseller? What <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> a bestseller is coming your way. And I'm just, I'm super, super excited. And it just means a lot mm. not, without me getting mushy, because I'm about ready to cry and I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, it, it means a lot to be heard mm. and to be seen. You are seeing me in a way that is so beyond real and so beyond my own expectations yeah, that's um, lovely yeah and that it just speaks volumes and it just validates my journey that I've had over the past couple of years and mm-hmm. I'm so eager and excited to have the chance to share it with someone else
0: yeah and and I think it's really positive for you because it it also it allows you to look back and realize how far you've come as well like it's even on your darker days or the difficult days it's still yeah. It's like a wonderful marker where you can actually realize how far you've come and look back and you look at your growth and you and I think sometimes doing projects or even just this conversation it it makes you reflect on things in ways that you might not otherwise. That
1: possible, yeah. yeah. I mean, because like I told you when we first started talking, this project had I'd been sitting on it for a while and it was only until I decided, well, you know what? No, this is going to happen and this is going to happen in the best way I know how mm. and and with the best people around me because. I have come a long way, yeah. and I still have a way to go. I'm not stopping. This isn't. Oh, well, you've identified yourself
0: and you've put yourself out there. No, I'm. I'm. I'm here to stay. There's a power that comes in you being able to talk from a position of scars, not just wounds. And I'm not saying that there's no wounds because it's a long, it's a lifelong process. All these things, but when you start to be able to heal some of those wounds and and come to terms with things the messaging and the way you talk will be very different as well. You know,
1: it's not just the physical scars. I have those. Mm. I mean, you you can see them. Yeah. But I can now say, well, there was probably a reason for why I needed to have those scars. And there probably was a reason for me to have those emotional battle scars Yeah, because they're part of me. Yeah, As much as maybe I would want someone to take that away from me, let
0: me just embrace it mm. and be like, I'm going to try to move on. Yeah, those emotional scars also... There's a maturity of experience and wisdom that comes with that, of living, like all of us, whatever our things are, like that, that lived experience, that you can then help guide the children in your care on a daily basis and help them chart those experiences, which potentially are still going to be difficult, but actually may just be that little bit less of an impact on them. Yeah, actually with some foresight from you because of you know what it was like that you could help them through that it's wonderful
1: and at the same time I'm still learning even through my experiences moving forward yeah and I, I don't think I would be a teacher if I didn't want to continue to be a lifelong learner
0: yeah it's certainly interesting when you start to unpack it all and actually look at the emotional journey that is just your own journey let alone then what external environment has an impact on you and other people and then workplace and and all of it it's it becomes a particularly rich conversation
1: yeah thank you for this rich conversation I'm sure I could probably talk for another hour
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you I, I really appreciate it I know from my early conversations with you that it it's massive having this conversation it's all part of you being visible so I really appreciate your openness to having a conversation and wanting to talk about it and be vulnerable. Cause I know that that can be hard. So, so thank you very much. I, I really appreciate it. And I know that for the listeners, it, it's, there's always something that comes into a conversation that can and, help people. You know,
1: don't feel free to find me on LinkedIn, you know, all that stuff and ask me questions like, don't be afraid. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. How can people find you? My tag on Twitter is Nick's demos. N-I-X-D-E-M-O-S. Uh Look for Nicole Demos on LinkedIn. You'll find me. And then also um, on Facebook, if you see a lot of pictures of my dog, it's probably me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I work at the International School of Helsinki. So that's another way of finding me or mm-hmm. through um, Senya
0: fantastic
1: you feel free anybody reach out no question ask me any question personal professional okay. I'm, I'm not afraid to answer and if I don't
0: answer just keep at me <laughs> I'll put all those um details in the show notes and people can find you so thank you again so much thank I you. really appreciate your time and good humor but also your your realness <laughs> and just talking about what it's like so thank you thank you so much and to my listeners, if you would like to get more podcasts like this straight into your email inbox, then please go on to, to a story.com where you can sign up to the mailing list where you can be kept informed and also be the receiver of special offers and discounts in the shop. So go on and I look forward to seeing you there. You've been listening to Drawn to a Deeper Story. Thanks for listening.